when we accept help and when we like learn how to ask for it, we are so enriched. And there's so many people in our lives that like they love just being the helper. And when I say just being the helper, I mean like being the helper is transforming lives. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Having a dream or a vision for your life can look great on paper, but in practice, more often than not, can start to feel overwhelming. How is someone supposed to actually juggle a career alongside, well, anything else? Time for adventure, family, community, rest, creativity? All signs start pointing to burnout. And I'm passionate about showing you that the having it all burnout only happens when we let other people define what it all looks like for us. That's why I wanted to sit down with my friend and truly brilliant leader, Lewis Howes, on his podcast, School of Greatness. This conversation felt so perfectly timed. If you're not already a student of the School of Greatness, then make sure you subscribe and listen in. My takeaways are always profoundly simple and super applicable. As I listened to this episode on his show, I found myself wanting to make sure you heard these words. We dive into why it is so important to invest in yourself, what it really looks like to overcome the doubt and fear that holds us back from doing something wholeheartedly. I mean, the themes and the messages here are truly meant for you, gold diggers. So I am so grateful that Lewis allowed me to share this conversation here with you too. Without further ado, let's dive on into my interview on the School of Greatness. I love sharing podcast recommendations with you. If you love Gold Digger, then you'll love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew. Learn the science behind great marketing with bite-sized 20-minute episodes packed with practical advice from world-class marketers and behavioral scientists. Nudge is fast-paced and insightful with real-world examples that you can apply to your business. I loved this recent episode where Phil shares how our subconscious mind calls the shots and how to bring more awareness to your thoughts to help you not make stupid mistakes. His words, not mine. Nudge is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. You were a full-time wedding photographer Mm -hmm. still, I think. Mm -hmm. And then you were just kind of getting into you know, teaching a little bit and coaching and things like that. And I think maybe you created one course or something at the time. And now it's been an amazing evolution of six years of building a massive podcast, courses. You did events for a while, but just being a a nomad entrepreneur, you travel the world, you live in different locations, you're a mom, and you're able to build a business that is designed around a lifestyle, which is what I've always talked about and tried to live by my life is like, how do I live my life and yes. then build a business around that, yeah. not where I'm trapped by it. Yeah. And that's something you've like stood by since day one. Truly. So it's really inspiring. And I remember, yeah, when you were in the mastermind, I was just like, Jenna gets this. Yeah. I was like, you got it. And you were just like, 
okay, yes, I'm going to do this and execute and then just get results. Yeah. That's been your journey. You know, it's crazy getting ready this morning because I was just like, I really am awake to life in that like, this is a pinch me moment. And I don't, I don't miss that. I don't miss that in even the mundane everyday life with my kids. Uh Like I just am awake to like, wow. And it was crazy because I was just thinking about my journey with you. And I remember your email coming through announcing the mastermind. I remember jumping on it. I mean, I filled out that form faster than you can imagine. But I also feel like, you know, there's times in your life where there's like this line in the sand where Mm. there is a very clear before and after, right? Like where you see a massive transformation and joining your mastermind was the first time I really invested in myself Mm. in a big way. It was so scary. I remember writing the check and I couldn't even tell Drew, my husband, the amount because when you bet on yourself, it's like, I better prove myself right, right? Like you're like, I better make this a worthy investment and holy cow, but it it is so cool to be with you here in this setting. Think of like how far we've come and like even just our relationship too over the time. It's like, we've done a lot of life together. A lot of trips and masterminds and it's cool. Ups and downs and everything in between. And it's yeah. it's so fun to watch your journey because I remember just thinking like, oh, just if you just keep being consistent, like great things are going to happen. Yeah. And they've been happening. You've got a book out now. Mm-hmm. How are you really? Your podcast, again, all your courses, everything is just all very inspiring. I'm curious, what was the kind of a pivotal moment after the mastermind where you realized things can take off financially and in business and you don't have to overextend yourself you know there was probably times where you maybe overextended for a while oh yeah when did you realize you could do both yeah okay so there's actually a story in the book about your mastermind Uh which we'll talk about but it was kind of crazy because being in the mastermind for me as someone from the midwest who lives in small town minnesota I had literally never been in a room with people who could say like, I desire wealth or I desire freedom or Mm. I desire flexibility. Like it was so crazy for me to be around people who were unapologetic about their pursuit, whatever their pursuit looked like, whether it was financial or lifestyle or flexibility. And it was the first time that I was like around people where they were just like, here's what I'm going after. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like even to speak those types of things, especially in the Midwest, you know, it's like people think you are crazy. You didn't talk about money or how much you wanted to make or how much you were making or any of those things. So it really opened my eyes to like this new world because I, I feel like before joining your mastermind, it was, I was so lonely in the pursuit. And I also felt like, am I greedy or why do I want these things? Or, you know, am I hitting my own ceiling, my, my own glass ceiling? And when I was in your mastermind, I was in the heart of a really big pivot because I was a wedding photographer. I had experienced my first loss of pregnancy. Mm. So I remember at the first mastermind, you had us get up front and just say who you are and one thing you were working on. Uh And I remember I like got up and I'm not a nervous person. Like I can speak wherever. And like something overcame me where I decided to share about that loss. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, I'm really like, I really want to be a mom. And like, this isn't happening right now. And you had everyone in the mastermind, write On a slip of paper, like if they could help you with whatever that goal was, right. just write your name and phone number down. 
And past like and how they can help or something, forward. right? Yeah. And Dr. Laura Noel was in the mastermind right. and she had written on a piece of paper and it said, I will help you with your fertility. <sighs> and she's a fertility expert, yeah. Yes. And I I remember wow. getting that piece of paper and thinking, I don't need help. My loss was a fluke. That's really, really sweet, but whatever. But for some reason I held on to that paper. And in the course of the following year, we ended up experiencing our second loss. Mm-hmm. And I found that slip of paper literally mm-hmm. days after our second loss that said, I will help you with your fertility with a <laughs> phone number. And there's a story in the book about like how I joined Mastermind thinking like For this going to explode my business uh-huh. and all of these things. And really it exploded my life. So to get back to your question of, you know, when have there been seasons where you've overextended yourself or gone mm-hmm. in the opposite direction, I think. A lot of us achievers are prone to do that. It's it's like the mm-hmm. cycle, but I've recognized time and time again that like success shouldn't look a certain way; it should feel a certain way. And when I stay in alignment with how it should feel, I am so much more at peace and not like in the pursuit of like this frantic right. pace. What should it feel like? For me, it feels like peace, and it feels like no urgency. Mm. Like when you say no stress, you mean it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. My team and I, we, we have this thing where it's like we literally start every message with like, this isn't urgent, but here's what we need. Because it's like this reminder. No I can get it done. So- well, <laughs> right. but it's like really, it's like, a, like don't worry. But like if you're yeah. in your life, be in your life. But like when you come back on, this is what I'm waiting for. But it's like. Right. We no don't need this right now. Don't stop your whatever you're doing. Yeah. But get back when yeah. you're back in the work mode. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's been interesting. But it's, you know, it's just crazy to think about. We often say, like, in the business world, too, it's like, sell people what they think they want, but serve them what they need. Mm -hmm. And when I look at, like, my experience, and and specifically my experience with you, it was like, you know, I joined the mastermind for this one thing, but I ended up, like, then ended up working with Dr. Noel. She helped me, and I really, truly attribute a lot of my ability to, like, carry a successful pregnancy to my work with her, which That's is kind beautiful. of crazy. And I met her through you. That's beautiful, yeah. Not I'm cool. sure you would have met someone eventually like that, but I'm no, glad that they brought you. You take credit. You I'm were, like, the godfather of I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the reason you have a child. Yeah, no. No, I think, uh, you know, people, you attract the things you need. You're looking for things you need, and people will find their way to you. Yeah. That's really beautiful. You also said back then that you would never do a book. Yes. You were like, I'm never doing a book. So why did you decide you wanted to do a book? Yeah. And what's the message and the intention behind it? Yeah. So I, I remember because you were launching <laughs> and I was like, it's exhausting. It's second like, book, yeah, The Mask yeah. Masculinity. And it was coming out. Uh-huh. And it was basically kind of launched right around your event, right? Yes. Yeah. We got our like first right copy afterwards, then. Yeah. Yep. And I remember we each got one question to ask. And I remember looking at you and being like, Why'd why would anyone do uh-huh. a book? Uh-huh. So I remember being, I don't understand it. And I said for many years, I will never do this. I'll never write a book. And we were in a season with our family. So we now had our first daughter, Coco. I was going to get pregnant with my second child, hopefully. And I, it's a long story and it's a part of my book in the epilogue, but it was in the middle of the pandemic and it was when things were like slightly creeping open again. 
and it was mine and Drew's 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we can't really like go to a fancy dinner or whatever, but I booked us massages and mm-hmm. it was in Northern Minnesota, a town of 1200 people. There's this place called Lutzen and I booked us massages and I go in for my massage and the woman there, her name is Thea. And she's like, I'm a medical medium. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. I don't know what that means, but cool. Let's go get the rub down. So I go down, get my massage, have my mask on my face. And after the massage, she goes, can I tell you what came up for you today? And here I'm just booking like a 60 minute massage. I'm like, sure. I'm very open-minded. What came up? And she goes, there's something you need to do and you know, you need to do it but you're avoiding it. You're turning your hips away from it. And when you were laying on the table, I just wanted to hold your hips down and say, follow the path. You know what you need to do. She didn't say like, you need to write a book, but you know what? I knew right away. Really? I, with utter clarity, she goes, do you know what I'm talking about? And I go, mm-hmm. And I come home from that massage and I have like the ring of the table uh-huh. on my eyes. And Drew's like, how was your massage? And I was like, I'm writing a book. And it's really wild because people have described the process to me at times. And they're like, once you know, like you, it just pours out of you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is bogus. Like writing a book is a lot of work. And what's crazy is, is that exact night, because you know, I execute really well. Fast I open fast, yes. up a Google doc Jeez. and I wrote I the first start. half of the book in a night. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. And it was funny. So I intentionally did everything in the book process backwards on purpose. So For me, the times in my life where I've grown or evolved have been when I've allowed myself to be really creative. And whenever money or a paycheck or a deadline gets involved, my creativity is stripped. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. So I wrote the book without telling a soul, without a book deal, Mm -hmm. without an agent, with no commitment or deadline or paycheck. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for the right reason. And I want it to matter to me first, because have you ever had someone, has this happened to you where I've been approached by people and they're like, this is what your book is about. And I'm like, Mm. no, or like, I can't wait to read a book about this from you. And it's like, that's not what I want to write about. So I wrote the entire book. I gave myself a deadline, December 31st. So I started it at the end of August, December 31st, finished it December 31st. And then I went through the process after that. And it was really cool because I did what I wanted to do without any feedback, without announcing it to the world. Right. Nobody knew about it, not even my family. Like, I just really kept it close to my heart because for so long I said, I'm not going to do it. So then I was like, if I start telling people, then I'm going to feel commitment that I have to do it. And maybe it's not the right time or the right thing. But it turns out it was. And what does it end up being about then? Yeah. So what's crazy and a good lesson for all of us is I wrote a business book at Uh first. Now, my book, How Are You Really, is not a business book. But I thought, you know, I run the Gold Digger podcast. I'm the marketing person. I love all that stuff. But I do business and marketing so that I can live life in a way that other people can. Mm -hmm. And... In the marketing business book that I wrote, there were a lot of stories that were way deeper than just strategies. And so when I finally got my book agent and she read through the whole thing and she pulled out chapters for my proposal, because she had the entire manuscript, the proposal was not a business book. Mm -hmm. 
So when I did all my editors calls and stuff, they were like, you know, this is great, but like, we're not talking about branding. We're not like, like, this is a book that we need and we're in nine to fives. And so it really expanded it. And for me too, it was like, where do I want to see it on the shelves at Barnes and Noble? Mm -hmm. Like, where do I envision it? And it wasn't in the business category. So it was beautiful because like as a former photographer, it almost felt like I was like widening the lens. Like Uh I was zoomed in and I needed to like back off, but it also meant a lot more work. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. You know, so we scrapped uh, Uh a good chunk of what I wrote and maybe someday I'll write a business book, but I'm so proud of what it is. So naming a book is really hard. You Mm -hmm. and I were actually just talking about that. And I I hate naming things like my first course was the Jenna Kutcher course because I Mm -hmm. literally couldn't think of a name. And so we had all these different working titles throughout the process. And 10 days before I gave birth to my second child and we were like, we need a name. And I kept voice texting people asking advice. And in the voice messages, I would say, you know, those conversations where you're like, how are you? Oh, good. Great. Busy. Fine. And then you feel safe enough and invited to like lean in and be like, but how are you really? Mm -hmm. And someone was like, why don't you just call it that? And I was like, really? (laughs) And it became that. There you go. That wild. Beautiful. The whole process is beautiful, I think, of coming up with an idea, launching it, making the name. But a lot of people are afraid of putting something out there. Were you afraid to create it? Or were you afraid beforehand that you just never wanted to do the work of it? Or why do you think a lot of people are afraid to put something out there? Yeah. I was never afraid of the work, but to me, it never made sense in my life because I remember telling you this and being like, why would you spend two years on a project Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily provide a really bountiful paycheck when you could spend like two months building a course, launching it, getting it out into the world and like reaping the rewards. And I really genuinely feel like there is a tipping point in our lives where there are seasons where it's like you will hustle and trade your time for money. And then there becomes this time where all of a sudden time is more valuable. Mm -hmm. Like you will trade money to claim back your time. You've talked about Mm -hmm. that a lot. And so it became this thing where I was like, it has nothing to do with the money. I mean, I wrote the whole thing without a penny promised. And so I was never afraid of the work, but it's fascinating because I really kept it close to my heart. Like I didn't let people read it. I didn't want opinions. Uh And so even my own husband texted me the other night because he has a copy and he's reading it and it feels so vulnerable. Because you don't know what they're thinking or feeling yes. or yes, what are they going to say? Yes. And like, or what's going to impact them? Or like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like, you and I have lived many shared experiences together, but like we could be in the same hour segment sitting side by side and our takeaways could be totally different. Yeah. And when you're putting out these stories and like being vulnerable and like sharing different things, it's like, whew. Like it feels like a piece of your heart. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest lessons I've learned in this process is like my book is a piece of my life's work, but it's not the only thing, you know, it's like just a piece of it. And so it's like a very important piece to me, but like there's a lot more beyond it. What do you feel like has been the biggest challenge for you in the last couple of years then? Uh, To face. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like when people ask me like, how are you really? It's like. I'm experiencing the fullness of life. And I mean that in a way of like, I want it all. Mm -hmm. And I've had to define what it all looks like. And I want to be a present hands-on mom. And I also want to have a great career. 
in like the dichotomy of like chasing both of those things simultaneously coupled with things like mom guilt and all of that it's like you're constantly questioning like am i in the right place mm, you mean if you're being present with your if i'm working i'm thinking about my kids if i'm uh, with my kids i'm thinking about work really always how did you shift to just being present to one or the other I have to literally like ground myself. Like I have started this practice and I, I do it all the time now. But like when I enter the threshold of a room, I have to consciously be like, I am all here right now because it's easy. Like here's a story. So I read a lot of books to my three-year-old. I mean, she is, she loves reading. There will be times when I'm literally reading a book, but I'm like thinking about like, I need to do this for work. I need mm -hmm. to do this. And one day we were reading a Dr. Seuss book and there's a line where it's like the curtain in the Jordan, like, you know, they have weird rhymes and Coco <laughs> goes, what's a Jordan? And I was like, what? And she's like, what's a Jordan? And I had read this book hundreds of times to her. And yet I wasn't like there. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's in my lap, I'm reading the pages and yet I'm just in autopilot because I'm thinking about other things. It was like this massive wake up call of like, you want it all, but like you could miss it all so easily if you're not where you are. And so it was really funny because she's like, what's a Jordan? And I was like, oh my God, like I am reading this book and I've read it so many times and I don't even remember this page because I haven't been like fully there. Sure. So I've really had to work really hard because my brain is such a, I mean, our brains are so powerful, but they're mm -hmm. always spinning, right? right? And it really takes me just as much focus to like calm my brain as it does for me to like speed it up. Where do you feel like in your life you need the most support? Yeah, I mean, asking for help is the worst, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a chapter in the book about like I had pride's utter chokehold of like I want to do it all and mm -hmm. be it all and all these things and you know my husband desired deeply desired to be a stay-at-home dad and in our struggle to grow our family I felt like such a failure because he had this vision of like being a stay-at-home dad and mm -hmm. like here I can't carry a pregnancy all the way through and it felt like I was like dropping the baton because he had supported my entrepreneurial dreams. And now I'm like the one that's like not allowing him to live his dream. Mm. And it's crazy because like him and I, like we just have to be a team. And so asking for help in that way is like massive and, and keeping really open communication because like I am so driven, mm -hmm. but I'm also so grounded and, and trying to like live into both of those things requires someone keeping you in check, right? Sure, sure. Like, hey, set the phone down, close right, the laptop, right, right. like, you know, but asking for help too. In the chapter in my book, it was talking about how for years as an entrepreneur, I wanted to just do everything. And I thought no one can possibly love this the way I do. No one can possibly do anything the way I do. <laughs> and uh, how many of us have felt that way? Yeah. And in that chapter, this girl named Caitlin had reached out to me two different times and she supported wedding photographers. And she had reached out and was like, I live in your area. I love your work. I'd love to support you. And basically I said, thanks, but no thanks both times. And she reached out a third time and it was on the day, the exact day that we had lost our second pregnancy. Mm. And it said, just checking in. I know you said you're good, but, and she had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. And finally, for like the first time in my life, I like literally said like, I need help. Wow. Because I was like in the fetal position and I had built a business that literally required me to show up or I didn't get paid. 
And it was like this huge realization of like, yeah, I built a successful business, but if I am not upright and showing up, it's not, not a business. Earning. Yeah, yeah. You're not earning anything. And so the chapter in the book is like how when we accept help and when we like learn how to ask for it, we are so enriched. And there's so many people in our lives that like, they love just being the helper. And when I say just being the helper, I mean like being the helper is transforming lives. Yes. And it's really interesting because I feel like I've discovered that in business, and this goes for you as well, is like there are very few things that only Lewis can do. Mm -hmm. You have to be the face and the voice and the vision, right? You are the visionary, but your team are like the missionaries. Like they are the mm -hmm. ground workers, right. the copywriters, the people helping spread the mission. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it felt like I was white knuckling things. Mm. And when I finally released, it like opened my hands to what's possible. What was possible? Building a massive business and having support and creating systems and inviting people in to do work that they're passionate about that I don't want to do. It's like the whole thing. It's like, yes, I could create the graphic, sure, write the sure. caption, like, but should I be doing that? Right. And those shoulds have gotten real small over the years. Because you were so talented. I mean, you were and are so talented at doing so many of the creative and writing and marketing stuff. and social and everything else. The strategy that you could do it all, mm -hmm. essentially, yeah. to a high level, mm -hmm. you know. And so letting go of something that you do really well, that you know you love and like and comes out the way you like it. Yeah. Without having to tell anyone how to do it or teaching people, it's hard to let go of. Yeah. It's almost like when you're really good at a lot of things. Yeah. It's harder for you. It's like a platter. It's like when you go to Old Country Buffet and all the food spread yeah. out and you're like, how do I decide I what I want? Feels like that sometimes. Yeah. But when you start out, you have to learn everything mm -hmm. if you don't have the resources. So it's kind of like a good thing, but then you have to learn how to let it all go quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of letting go, this is an interesting topic. I think a lot of women would love to learn the answer to okay. or the solution to. Yeah. You and your husband, Drew, who's like one of the nicest guys. I love yeah. hanging out with this guy. He's awesome. You decided you wanted to be building the business and he's going to be a stay-at-home dad, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. And support you in other ways yeah. of the business as well, but mostly stay-at-home dad. How can women learn to navigate that if they want to be the driven entrepreneur? Yeah. Can you be a driven entrepreneur woman? Yep. Find a husband who's also a driven entrepreneur or does one of you need to have some less drive on their career and business to be able to support if you're trying to have kids? What, yeah. What's worked for you? What doesn't work? Yeah. What would you do differently if you started this over again? Yeah. I honestly wouldn't do anything differently. And I think what is fascinating about this is like, especially in the Midwest, it is still very traditional. Yes. I cannot tell you the amount of times. I mean, probably the coast also, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. but no, I cannot tell you the amount of times that we'll mention something about our lifestyle and the person will People look at Drew and say, what do you do? And then he'll say, oh, I stay home with my daughters. And then they'll look over at me and be like, well, what do you do? And we always have this joke because it's just like, still it's so inbred in our society mm -hmm. of like clearly the man must have a really successful career and i get it i mean i've made assumptions as well what's really fascinating to me is that we've been married 11 years we've been together since 2008 and we are very different people than we were when we got married very different mm, right. i mean you wouldn't recognize that version of me and 
it's beautiful because I think we are so resistant to change and we are so afraid to contradict ourselves. Because you probably never thought you'd have a business or be an entrepreneur. Never. Right. Never thought I would Back do in 2008, yeah. any of these things. Yeah. Like I wanted a corporate office and a power suit and high heels. I, the visions I held had zero chance of entrepreneurship in them. And what did he want to do? What was his vision? He, <laughs> Drew has done so many things. He could sell ice to an Eskimo. He did cell phone sales, billboard sales, insurance sales. I mean, he's sold pretty much, you name it, he sold it. But he never felt fulfilled. It was like always on this quest of fulfillment. Mm. And I always just like encouraged it because I wanted him to be happy. And his final job before he retired to be a stay-at-home dad was in wine sales. But really, he was just like a glorified stockist. And in my book, I tell a story about like how when I lost that second pregnancy, like not only did I feel the grief of the loss, but I I felt like I was holding him back from this vision, this dream that Mm, he had. Interesting. And... He could have groveled and grumbled his way through, and he just went out and stocked that wine in that season. And I think a lot of times people are sitting in these waiting seasons and they're just wasting them. They're angry, they're mad at like things aren't happening mm-hmm. for them. And I like look at him with such admiration of like he had this bigger vision for his life, but it wasn't happening. It took three years for him to actually be a stay at home dad. And he still, he worked so hard and like he never complained. So I'm like, great reminder for people. I mean, it's the great resignation right now. One in three people are looking for a new job or quitting their job. That's massive. Mm -hmm. But like, while I admire that, I'm also like, are we giving up too soon? Or are we just angry because things aren't happening? Like, can we still do the thing while we figure out the next idea? I don't know. I just challenge people in that. But back to your question about like the relationship and stuff. Something about Drew that used to drive me crazy that I now very much admire <laughs> is his contentedness. Like he is so you're content. Driven. I am driven and ambitious and I sometimes want more and I, you know, I want to go after these things. And he has this beautiful, like this guy would just be so happy to get in a workout, mow the lawn mm-hmm. and give the kids a bath. Like, right. like he truly is just like grounded in that contentedness. And to me, that looked like complacency before. So, so that's why it drove you crazy. Drove me nuts. Cause I was like, don't you want more? So how long did it drive you crazy for? I mean, when I say it drove me crazy, I just didn't understand it. Sure, like sure. I was just like, yeah, you're not screaming or yeah, anything. Like, but, but, but yeah, it's like, like, it's like, what do you want for your life? And like, he was just so happy. <laughs> And to me, I feared of like, oh, like, are you just not driven or like, what is this? And now I'm like, well, what a valuable balance for someone like me to be reminded of like, oh, this is enough. What if he was extremely driven and he was like, I think we'd be battling each other for if that. If he was driven and he was like, I'm building this thing and I'm not, I don't have the time to be at home as much. I'm going to yeah. be gone more. I'm going to be back after seven every night. So hard for us. How would you navigate it that? And what advice would you give to women who yeah. are driven, yeah. who have married into, into a, a driven partner yeah. who doesn't want to be a stay-at-home dad? Yeah. How would you navigate that as a mom? Yeah. I mean, so something crazy about us is like our oldest is three and a half and like we've never had help with our children. We've just really, it's just been a personal choice of like, we're all in on parenting. Grandparents though? I mean, mean, my mom is the only person that has really like watched her and it's not consistent. So it's like, we're just in it. Right, right. We've just decided that. Is it what, like once a week, once every few weeks? Yeah, Yeah, if we're lucky. A half a day or a few hours, catch Yeah, it's like going on a date night. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) But we made that choice really 
like specifically for us, because our values are just really like to cherish this time, this window of time Mm -hmm. where they're little is so small and these years are so important. And so if he was, you know, driven or had this brilliant idea or had these things, you know, honestly, I would feel a responsibility to pass the baton to him because he has supported me in exceptional ways over the years. But I think I'd be reluctant to hand it over. Right. I think it would be really hard. I really think that his role is often overlooked. And so for your listeners that are the stay at home parents or the people who are, you know, giving this season of life to be at home with their children or to help raise their children, it is the most overlooked and underappreciated job mm-hmm. on planet earth. And it's crazy to me because what I do and, and what you've watched me do over the last few years is literally only possible because of him and his support. support. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he cooks, he cleans, he, do, he does it all. And I, with a smile, with yeah. a smile and, and six pack abs, he's just, baby. <laughs> he's just a happy guy. Yeah, he really is. And so if both people are driven, I think that there has to be a season where there are handoffs. Like mm-hmm. I always just picture it as like a relay race where it's like, I'm sprinting and you're waiting and then you're sprinting and I'm waiting. And there has to be conversations. And I think a lot of women have this deep desire for change or growth or evolution or trying something new, but they don't even know how to express it. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to say the words like, like imagine you and I are together, which whatever, but like Lewis, I know that I've been this way for you. I know I've supported you in this way for so long, but like I have to change. There's, I'm mm-hmm. gonna change and I'm inviting you to enter this change with me. Right. It might be uncomfortable. We might have to figure it out. But like, here's what I really want to do. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're with a partner that loves you, I would sincerely hope that they support you. Sure. But it's crazy. I do think that a lot of relationships benefit when it's like one person's driven and the other one kind of brings them back home to earth. And I think there are seasons of trade-off with that. That's interesting. So when did the thing that drove you crazy about him switched to being like, okay, it doesn't drive me as crazy. And now I'm actually really grateful and appreciative that you're in that energetic space. Yeah. I mean, even today he's home with two kids sending me updates of them going on walks with the wagon and things Uh like that. And him just saying like, we're good and you're doing great. And I love you. Like that's massive to me Mm. because I already put enough pressure on myself. So if I was worried, like I'm going to go home to like a grumbling husband and my house is tore apart and my kids need a bath, like that would be hard. It doesn't drive me nuts anymore because it's brought me like back to earth in a way of this season that I'm in is busy, but it's not crazy. And it's a very thoughtfully busy, like anything I'm doing in my life right now is by choice, not necessity. And I have learned and really like embraced this idea of like, I can pump the brakes on certain things that I know I could soar at, that I know I could crush it in. And I say that with just confidence. I think more women need to be confident, but I'm saying no to so many things because I trust that I can hit the brake and know where the gas pedal is. The gas pedal is not going anywhere. And so for the next few years, Things are just going to look a little different for us because I really want to be with my kids. Yeah. And so a lot of people, I think, are lacking this 
belief in themselves of like, what's gotten me this far will carry me forward, but I don't need to believe the lie of like momentum and have that keep me on the hamster wheel. You know what I mean? Sure. I know something about you. You're busy. Chances are that you're listening to this podcast and you're probably doing something else too. Mastering the art of working out, walking the baby in the stroller, washing that sink full of dishes. And honestly, we get it. When you're having conversations with your customers, the same is probably true for them. They're juggling just as much. And it can be hard to give a true experience in just a moment, especially when we're all so distracted. HubSpot helps you go beyond the moment by connecting you and your team so you can access all the data you need to see the full customer picture, what motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can blow them out of the water with your service. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, ops, and service, HubSpot's powerful CRM platform powers you and your team to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. You might not know this about me, but one of my favorite roles that I play in life is being a host. That's why Drew and I are hosts on Airbnb. If you want to generate extra income and have space to share, you should definitely check out Airbnb. As a mom and full-time entrepreneur, it's been super easy to fit hosting into my schedule. Over the last few years, we've had many visitors and we've even been voted Superhost several times. Whether you've bought properties as an investment or have unused rooms waiting to be shared, hosting on Airbnb is the practical and profitable choice. And just think about it. If you've put a ton of time, effort, and work into your home, someone out there probably would love to experience it while they're traveling. So next time you're planning a trip or want to make some extra pocket change from your spaces, consider hosting on Airbnb. The hosting process is simple, practical, and tailored to you. Your home might be worth more than you think, Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's interesting because obviously I don't know what it's like to be a woman or in your yeah. position, but there's been obviously a, a, a movement yeah. for decades for women to be more driven and really go after what they want yeah. in career, business, goals, dreams, aspirations. Yeah. And at the same time, there's probably judgment for going after those things. Absolutely. When you have kids and not being there for the kids. So there's this push for women to go be more than what you were told maybe as a child you shouldn't be doing or something, right? Like go be more, do what you want, chase your dreams, live a career, life, have kids later in life, all these different things, wait to get married, whatever it might be. But then doing it, there's probably judgment around it also of like, well, now you have two kids and now you have a responsibility and now you should be at home more. And how are you raising them? And you're letting him raise them. And why aren't you, you know, there's probably this judgment. So how do you you navigate the guilt, shame, judgment from others, maybe internally for living this type of lifestyle? Yeah. You know, it's crazy because oftentimes, and I say this with respect, I ask myself, would my male counterpoint CEOs have to worry about this or think about this or do this? And I had a massive moment. So I'm here with you. And this is the first time I've been gone from my family in nine months. So it's Mm -hmm. not like I'm on the road all the time. I'm actually never on the road. And I had this moment two nights ago when my three-year-old woke up in the middle of the night screaming for me. And I had her monitor on my nightstand in the hotel room. 
And for an entire hour, I sat on my phone and helped her breathe. And I just said, smell the flowers, blow out the candles, smell the flowers, Mm. blow out the candles. And I got her back to sleep while I'm here in California. I'm sitting here and I'm like pumping because I'm nursing my kid back home, talking to my three-year-old and I have to wake up and do multiple things the next Mm. day. And I was like, would any of my male CEOs be expected to have a baby monitor on and do all, you know what I mean? And I say that out of, there is so much expectation around women and it's like, we're supposed to work like we're not mothers and mother, like we don't have careers. And like, that's a problem. And it's fascinating because I don't necessarily feel guilt. I want my daughters to like see me doing my work. And actually when I first had Coco and it was like this three year long journey and I just like freaking prayed for like this miracle and here she comes. Mm-hmm. I never wanted her to see me working. I had a weird thing about it where oh. I was like, I want her to never see me like on my phone or my computer. I just want, why? I just wanted her to never feel like second fiddle, even though she was a baby. But sure, like, sure. I just wanted her to see like mommy's present. I, I feel like there's this huge pressure for presence where it's like, don't blink. You're going to miss it. You know? And it's like, I literally remember like feeding her and like looking at her and like counting her eyelashes <laughs> and being like, am I going to remember this moment? Cause it was just like, I know how fleeting this all sure, is. Sure. And as she's gotten older, I want her to see me working and I want her to understand my work and I want it to be something that she's proud of. And I want it to paint possibility because the lifestyle she's living is possible because of my work. Mm -hmm. And so when I was writing my book in the dedication, it says like to Coco, like, thanks for being my biggest muse and like my greatest inspiration. Also, thank you for sitting next to me and making me play baby shark in the corner of my computer screen while I was writing my book so that we could sit together because she would literally be by me while I was working. I watched Baby Shark a lot of times (laughs) and, you know, it's fascinating because as she's starting to like understand more and stuff, obviously her scope of what's normal in terms of a career as a woman is, is very like enlightened for seeing what I've done and what I continue to do. But it is so much pressure because it's like, you know, no dad is asked like, oh, you left your baby at home Mm -hmm. to go do a work trip like that. It's just a different thing. And even on the way here to your studio, I had a Uber driver. We were in a minivan and we're like talking about family. And and I was like, yeah, you know, I have a little one at home. And he was like, oh, how did you leave? And I was like, you don't think it was hard enough? Like, you know, and it was like, I'm like, there have been 10 times on this trip where I've just been like, book me a flight. I'm going home. But I, I truly believe I'm still working at a pace that is super sustainable yeah. and in a way that it's like, no, I'm home. And when I'm away, you better believe I'm getting stuff done. Right. And you're gone for a limited time and then you go back. Yeah. I'm curious about money dynamics. Oh, yeah, I, don't think this is, about I don't think this is talked about enough. Yeah. Well, I also don't think there's a lot of models out there maybe that I've seen where, you know, the, the female partner and a male-female dynamic is the breadwinner, is the one earning all the money, yeah. majority of the money, 90%, whatever it is, and responsible for most of the money. Mm-hmm. Two questions here. Yep. One, how did you learn to believe you were able to earn more mm-hmm. when you kind of had a set amount you were making for so many years? Obviously, yeah. it was increasing, but to really exponentially grow to abundance financially, 
That's number one. How did you believe that you could earn more? And yeah. what was the deciding factor for unlocking more for you? And then number two, how do you manage the money dynamic yeah. in the relationship? Yeah. And how does that work? How does that communicate? And how do people believe in their worths at different stages? Yeah. So the first part of the question is actually going to be very different than I think what you're expecting. So I remember the day that I hit six figures. And for me, that was a massive goal. Like get six figures in one year, you brought yeah. it in. What oh, yeah. year was this? This would have been my third year as a wedding photographer, so 2014. Okay. So I built a six-figure photography business in three years flat. It's big. It's big. In the Midwest. In the Midwest, it was like basically condensed to six yeah. months of shooting. I shot every weekend. I had no time off. I missed weddings. I missed time with my family. And I remember the day that I hit six figures felt like crap. Really? I was empty. I was burnt out. I remember like standing in the shower and being like, why aren't the angels singing? Where is the confetti? Because I thought this would feel different. And what's interesting is, is I was just so tired. Mm. Like I was like the bone deep kind of tired. And I had built this business and hit this goal and it felt terrible. And Drew came home from work the next day and I said, I thought this was going to feel different. I'm not even enjoying the money I'm making because I have no time. And I said, I'm going to propose something that's a little crazy, but I just want to see what you think. And I made this color-coded spreadsheet and he sat down and I said, I was a lot happier when I made $50,000 a year. Mm. So I can't do this again. This isn't sustainable. I'm ready to chuck my camera out the window. And I said, would you support me if I said, I want to go back to making $50,000 a year, but I want more time. And it was really weird because I like expected him to kind of be like, you know, was he making a lot of money then or was he making some money or like 50? I mean, we were like, we were just both the Midwest average. And I thought he was going to be kind of like, and he looked so relieved. Wow. Like it was just like. Yeah, let's do it. We know we can. Right. We know we have. Like, if we go back to eating ramen noodles, great. So I, like, made a super, super clear boundary. And at the time, I had been shooting 30 weddings. And I was like, I am only going to book 15 next year. I'm going to say no to everything beyond that. Line is in the sand. I'm not going to cross it. Because I I was a yes girl. I was, like, taught to be a good girl. Say yes. Don't disappoint people. And so the next year I cut it in half and something insane happened when I did that, which was not at all what I expected. But when I got my time back again, when I got margin back, it was when I was creative again and curious again, Mm. started listening to podcasts, started taking online courses, started learning other things. Mm -hmm. I would have never, my eyes would have never been open to any of this world if I would have stayed on the hamster wheel and just kept working more and more and more. And it was crazy because literally I went, I was like, I don't care about money. Give me back time. And when I freed up my time, I ended up figuring out ways to unlock how to make more money. Yeah. And there's also a story in the book inspired by you because there's a chapter called what is your enough point? Mm -hmm. And you actually probably don't even know this, but when we were in Puerto Rico on one of our trips, you had brought along a photographer Mm -hmm. and We were up on the rooftop. Taking photos. I still have a selfie photo from that. Yes. We were up on the rooftop and he comes over to me and he was like. Did he ask you this question, Uh Taylor? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you used to do this, didn't you? 
And I said, yep. And he said, how did you get out of it? How did you become the person that's not behind the lens, but the person drinking the champagne on the rooftop watching sunset? Right. And I said, oh, I bet you want me to like give you like a step A to Z. (laughs) And I said, you need your time back. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, you have to establish what is your enough point? Like, what do you need to feel safety and security? And you need to draw a line in the sand and not book a single shoot or session beyond it. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I was like, it's not sexy, but like, you need your time to figure out what's next. You don't even have the bandwidth or the energy to think of anything. And I remember, I feel like he was like disappointed in that answer because it was like, (laughs) no, 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 there's no magic thing. But like, so many of us are just like, we keep filling up our plates at the buffet and we're so full. It's like, we can't even think of the next meal. We're working so hard right now that like, how could we have an idea or a vision or do research or curiosity when we're so overwhelmed with what's already in front of us? Yes. And so, you know, it's wild to me because it's like, I only unlocked the potential because time was more important than money. And every single time I've done that, where I've claimed back time, whether it was, you know, after having my daughter, I blacked out my calendar for a year and said, I'm saying no to Uh everything. I'm not speaking anywhere. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. And then I unlocked these other ideas. And it's Mm. like, you know, it's like every time I've like valued time, I've done that. To answer the second part of the question about like, what is the dynamic in things? Like, it's really interesting because I just see his teamwork and like so to me it's like it's ours of course this business is mine I've built it you know I've thoughts around like when people get divorced and someone takes half I'm like okay but they didn't necessarily build the thing and things like that but like I worked at Target when we got married so like he literally has been behind this thing since Uh day one but it's fascinating because there's the business's money and then there's our money I pay myself from the business. Mm -hmm. So I still live off of a pretty meager salary because I want to invest in my wealth in different ways. And I'm a huge saver and things like that. So we don't really argue and stuff about money because we grew up in families where, you know, at the grocery store, we would buy like the off brand Cheerios Mm -hmm. because they were cheaper. Discount coupon Swab was the shampoo and, you know, and so... The fact that we can live a life now, the part that feels most exciting to me is like when we go to a restaurant and you don't look at the prices. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Or you can just buy a meal for anyone. Yeah. Like that to me is the exciting part of the money. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Nothing big and like earth shattering. I was remembering, I mean, even this morning, I never forget like the things that I went through. But I remember this morning, I don't know what triggered it, but I was walking out of my my, my building that I'm in here in LA. And I was just like, man, 12 years ago, this would have been not even possible, you know, to be able to be in not a building like a this, vision, probably. to be able to be in a building like this in a city like this, paying the amount of rent that I'm paying. I was like, it's crazy what is possible if that's something you want. I'm not saying anyone needs that, but I just remember thinking that. And also not being able to pay for like going to meals with friends and being like, looking at the check and be like, okay, I only bought this much and I, here's all I can give. Yes. Or now it's not even, you don't have to look at the check, you know. At a That's point. like financial freedom yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm in a place in my life where like financial freedom is being debt free by choice because mm-hmm. my parents really struggled with being in debt and I was very aware of it growing up. And if money can fix something, it's not a problem in my life. And so 
the tire blows, whatever, we buy a new tire. But if we haven't learned anything these last few years around how valuable our health is, Mm -hmm. how valuable our happiness is, how life is meant to feel good and not Mm -hmm. just look good, then we really missed an opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, it is wild, though, because, I mean, we grew up in a family where, like, Red Lobster was a real big deal. Yeah. And you get no beverages, no dessert, and you split a meal. Like, <laughs> no, you get the beverage, but it's got to be a refill beverage. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, you keep filling it up to get as much out of that restaurant you could. It's just like Dr. Pepper Land. You just keep filling it yeah. up. But, yeah. Yeah. So Free refills like, was where I went. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it's exciting to, like, live in a life where it's like, yeah, I can buy the $10 green juice. To me, mm-hmm. that feels like success more than any other thing. Yeah. That's interesting. And so how does the the money, the psychology of the money then influence the relationship in a certain way? Now that you have been the one, you both kind of are at the similar level yeah. and now it's like, okay, your business has been earning yeah. an abundance of wealth yeah. for the family yeah. and you're the one who's been creating and generating that, yeah. not him. How does that dynamic work? Yeah. I mean, he has access to everything. He has passwords to everything. It's just this level of trust. And I, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations around it, but they're not like heated where it's just like, Mm -hmm. here's where we're at. He's on all the investment calls. He's a big part of like figuring out our will. Like, so it's, I mean, it's really not a thing. It's not an issue. There's nothing. No. And I think too, because we live in a place of like abundance, like where, and not in like a woo-woo way, but like in a way of like, we have more than we ever dreamed possible right. and we're awake to that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I there's never pressure on me to perform more or earn more. It's like this beautiful like, And he's not wow. driven to need more. So he's Nothing. happy with- we're so content. He's, like, he's chill, so it's not like he's driven for more. Yeah. And he's happy you're making this or less. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. We're very much just like at peace in our lives. And, and I That's think nice. too, the Midwest keeps us really grounded. Yeah, I'm really thankful we still live there, which for so many years, so many of my friends would be like, what are you doing? Like, come to LA, come uh-huh. to New York. What are you doing? And- it's fascinating when I'm in places like this because they really drain my energy. Just the city energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm Driving like hearing everything. sirens. I'm like sure. traffic is like takes you 45 minutes to get three miles. Like it's it's a different way of living. It's not a wrong way of living. It's just not for me. Yeah. Like I prefer being in the woods overlooking a lake and sure, like sure. working wherever my laptop is. So the idea of that is like this fantasy that maybe one day I would like that. Yeah. But also going somewhere and and having no activity after three days i'd be like i'm bored you know that's what i would feel this season of life but maybe one day i'd be like that's all i want you know what i you know what i think is interesting though about that it's like you know a lot of people like they'd be like if i had a million dollars i'd like retire and go to an island and you know it's like we know ourselves like we like to make an impact Uh we like to work yeah we like to create and I think a lot of times, too, the thought of, like, being in a cabin in the woods freaks people out because they're afraid to be quiet with themselves. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to drown out your worries, your traumas, Mm -hmm. when it's just busy, busy, busy. And I think what's really fascinating and, like, part of why I wrote my book is that during the pandemic, a lot of us had to live up to what we said we would do when time slowed down. I mean, mm. how many times have we said, you know, I'll work out more, sure, I'll sure. eat better, I'll write the book, I'll read the book, I'll 
when life slows down and literally life never slowed down for any of us until the pandemic. And I think a lot of us had to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, am I who I said I'd be? Because Mm -hmm. now I've been given, and if you were fortunate, you were given the gift of time. If you weren't fortunate, you were out there on the workforce still or scrambling to survive. And so I want to, you know, respect that there's different ends of the pandemic and it looked very different, but there is a vast majority of people who are now not commuting, Mm -hmm. had more time in the day. Saving their time from that. Yeah. Who were they during that time? And could they be still with themselves to face it? Sure. And so it's kind of that difference between how are you and how are you really Mm -hmm. in that it's like you're inviting in that breath of like, who am I really? Sure, sure. Maybe one day. But I've been looking at houses like a little bit outside of L.A., not that far, like 30 minutes. Yeah. With like a yard, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of like, I mean, that's what's so wild to me here. It's Uh just like. Like we want like space and privacy yes. and woods and quiet yes. and like you let the dog out the back door and the kids run around and play in the streams and stuff. I and I think too, it's like. That's like my childhood, you know, that, that was my same. childhood. That's what I was going to say. It's like a big backyard and the big tree. Building that you're a climbing. dam in the stream over Everything. hours. Picking yeah. up crawfish yeah. in the stream. Yeah, yeah yes. of course. Yes. Crawdaddy life. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We would go under the bridge like down the road. and That yep. was life. Yeah. That was life. But. Mm-hmm. I guess that could be life again. One yeah. day. One day. <laughs> I'll get you. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I, I have a fantasy of like wanting to go back to Ohio sometime and getting a place there. Mm-hmm. But then I go visit in the winter and I'm like, I don't miss the winter. Then just don't go in the winter. Right. So six, <laughs> but then the summer, there's mosquitoes and humidity and I don't miss sweating all day. Yeah. If you're so off Lake like, Superior, you, we don't get that as bad. So there's we're, tons of mosquitoes up there though, right? Not. We haven't had them back. Really? Because we're Minnesota. right off of the lake. Minnesota. Yeah. There's tons of them though. Yeah. Not in there. general. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, I'm really excited about this book and excited about everything you're up to. I think if people are, and really the podcast, which you've been doing for many years now, has been about marketing business and building this business around your lifestyle, which mm-hmm. I think is really inspiring. I'm curious for people that aren't entrepreneurs or they haven't yeah. done entrepreneurial things, because you and I weren't entrepreneurs. Right. We kind of became one. Yep. For me, I felt like it was out of necessity at the season of my life, even Same. though I didn't feel like I wanted to become one. Yep. It was never like a desire, really. Yep. Yeah. But I felt like I just was kind of forced into it or there was a necessity to it. For those that maybe feel like they might have something they want to put out there and build, but they're scared, Yeah. should they just go for it? Should they test something first and try to get a few sales and something? What do you think is the best approach now in today's time? Mm-hmm. So... I talk a lot about how I sometimes don't necessarily know what I want, but I know what I don't want. Which is what? Like when I was in corporate America, I sat down at a table just like this and my boss said, here's your five-year plan. They never once asked me, Mm. what do you want? What's your next move? Where do you want to go? And I wanted to go to corporate. Like I wanted to move back to Minnesota, be in Minneapolis. But here I was in a store, a glorified HR person that had to bring the garbage to the dumpster at the end of the night wearing red and khaki, Mm -hmm. which by the way, I hate red and khaki. (laughs) And I sometimes I think that people get really lost because they're like, well, yeah, if I knew what my passion was, I could go figure out a way to make money. But I don't even know what my passion is. Right. 
And sometimes I think knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want. Right. And sometimes it's an easier place to start with. Like, I don't want 10 vacation days a year. I don't want to work weekends and nights. Like, you know, and so it's like trying to figure those things out. Mm. But the other piece of that is that we have to like start to be open in saying I've changed. Right. I'm evolving. Maybe I wanted this thing for a while, but now I want something different. Yeah. It's like we get so attached to our identities Mm -hmm. that the thought of like saying, oh, I'm different or I I know I said I wanted this, but it doesn't feel the way I thought it would. And so I want to pursue something different. It's like this, there's this notion, Dr. Maya Shanker was on my podcast and she talks about identity foreclosure. And it's like, the reason why you hold on to jeans that don't fit you anymore because you remember how you invested in them or the reason why you get the degree even though three years into it you know that you don't want to do the profession it's this idea of like so i gotta make it worth something but instead then we're wasting our future right and so you call it I, identity closure identity foreclosure. foreclosure like as in i'm foreclosing this piece of me i am shutting it down because i am no longer who i was and it's fascinating because even being here with you today, having a book coming out, you're seeing a changed mind. Yeah, you didn't want to do this. At all. Ago. I mean, you are the one person who truly witnessed <laughs> how much I said I wouldn't yeah, do yeah. this. Yeah, you're like, just go launch a course and make a bunch more money and have less stress. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like we are so afraid of changing and not just changing, which is scary and uncertain. We're afraid of people seeing us change. Mm. We're afraid of being like, I know I said this one thing, but I don't believe it anymore. Yes. And I think that change is like growth and evolution. And like, we're in this thing called life school, Uh school of greatness, life school, where we are learning. And if we're not learning and evolving, like, what are we doing? We're missing this opportunity. But I would say for those people who are like, maybe I have this idea or whatever, do it as an experiment. Don't attach money to it. Don't attach deadlines. Look at how I wrote the book. Do it in a way that proves to yourself that one, you're capable of taking action, but in a way that doesn't necessarily paint things as like black and white success and failure. Look at everything as an experiment. I'm going to try this thing. All it's going to do is yield a result. And that result is going to guide my next step. Yes. And I feel like nowadays it's like, we have to like define, is this a success or is it a failure? No, 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 no. I've done many things and failed. I've tried many different things and been like, oh, that was not. Like I did senior portraits one year. Cause I was like, I can make bank shooting seniors. I hated it. Yeah. Did it for one summer. I was like, never again. Was it a failure? No way. It was just a point on the path that was guiding mm. me forward. And so I feel like getting really open to like trying things. And the other part of that is that every single time I've tried something different, it's always been a side hustle. I have not abandoned the nine to five to jump all in on something. I've used the nine to five to fuel the other something. Then when I did courses, I used the courses to fuel the podcast. And when I did the podcast, I, you know, it's like they Mm -hmm. all pour into each other. And it's like, we're so quick to neglect something because it wasn't the perfect fit when it's like that can propel you forward if you lean on it and it'll give you this ability to not feel the desperation that makes us say yes to the wrong things or do things that were never meant for us. Right, Absolutely. Here's a life and work hack for you. Ever since I started getting dressed in the mornings before working from home, I have been more productive and efficient. I guess the saying dress for success is actually true, which is why I am obsessed with quince. 
Quince offers luxury fashion without the hefty price tag. With prices ranging from 50 to 80% less than similar brands, it's a no-brainer to choose Quince for timeless style at unbeatable prices. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman, passing the savings on to us, the savvy shoppers. Personally, I've snagged the Italian leather bow ballet flats. They've truly become a wardrobe staple. And let's not forget about their stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, which adds this touch of sophistication to any outfit. Whether I'm working from home, dressing up for a date night, or a play date with friends, Quince always delivers in style, quality, and affordability. If you're ready to elevate your wardrobe without breaking the bank, join me in embracing the Quince revolution. Trust me, your closet and your wallet will thank you. Indulge in affordable luxury at quince.com slash gold digger for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash gold digger to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Let me tell you, I love it when I find a way to blend style and comfort. This is why I am obsessed with Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed a breeze. We're talking minimalist, effortless, yet totally refined, which is exactly my vibe. I wear Jenny Kane's house slippers every single day. I even sent a pair to my best friend, and I've been on the hunt for the perfect shoe for travel. I just grabbed their suede kitten heels. They are timeless, easy to pack. And when I wear them, I get compliments. And it also helps that they are super comfortable. I've also got a quick shout out their sweaters. The oversized cotton fisherman and the cotton cocoon are perfection for everyday wear. And even as the weather warms up, they are absolutely staying in my rotation. Now, the best part about this brand is that you can mix and match the pieces effortlessly. Pair their sweaters with classic denim or a simple slip dress and you You've got a look that's put together without even trying. Jenny Kane believes in the art of simplicity. And on top of the amazing clothes, they even have home essentials. We're talking timeless furniture, cozy pillows and throws, and the most incredible candles. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code GOLDDIGGER15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I. K-A-Y-N-E dot com promo code golddigger15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. I'm pretty well versed in social media, but there was one major platform on the internet that I didn't know how to use to its max potential, and that was LinkedIn. Can you relate? With LinkedIn ads, you'll learn how to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach even more of your audience. Imagine having direct access to decision makers. We're talking about a billion members, 180 million senior level executives, and 10 million C-level executives. Now, trust me, that is a network you want to be a part of. LinkedIn provides targeting and measurement tools specifically designed for B2B. In fact, in the tech world, LinkedIn generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social media platforms. And here's the best part. You're not alone. LinkedIn respects the B2B B2B world we operate in. In fact, 79% of B2B content marketers say that LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's right. LinkedIn ads helps build connection and results. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. What was the biggest identity foreclosure you've had in the last few years? 
getting rid of my Abercrombie jeans from when I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I remember how expensive those suckers were and how I saved every pretty penny. And I told myself someday they'll fit again. And guess what? They don't. And they're not even in style anymore. But I literally, (laughs) no, I mean, that was part of it. But I think for me, moving back home, Drew and I met in college in Wisconsin, lived in Wisconsin for over a decade and, and moved back home to Duluth, Minnesota. And, you know, one, I never thought I'd move home. There's just something about it where it was like, ah, the people that are there are still doing the same things. Right. Still the same people. Different mindsets, stuck in the ways or whatever, yeah. yeah. And I had noticed to a trend, and I'm curious, like when you go back to Ohio, if you like stay where you grew up, like do you kind of revert to your old self? A little bit, yeah. I really love it though, because yeah, I do. Because I'll hang out at the restaurants yeah. and I'll like just talk to the people, just like I'm there. Yeah, you know, like I'm from there. Yeah, it and was funny though, because I like yeah. whenever I would go home, like in college, I'd like find myself like sleeping on the couch again and watching MTV and eating ramen sure, noodles sure, yeah. and like things that were not a part of who I was, but mm-hmm. like there was just this like comfort, like this is what I do. I never thought I'd move back home, and I had this vision. After our second loss, I like hired someone to like help me unpack the grief because I was, I skipped like denial and went straight to anger after right. our second loss. Because I just was like, what is wrong with me? Why is this happening? You know, I was very public about our first loss and felt like there was purpose there. Yes. The second one, you were like, this is frustration and anger. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I got the lesson already. I don't need this again. Right. And I was like praying to God, like, where is your redemption song? Because I want to like prove how great you are. And now you've let me down again. And like, I don't even know where to go from here. And I hired this person to like help me unpack my grief because I was like, I'm angry. I hate my body. I don't know what to do. And she like led me through this exercise and we were like sitting together and we would get on the phone once a week. And every time I wanted to like hit ignore, you know, like I was just like, didn't want to do the call. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Cause I was just like, I know this is going to suck. And we're like on the phone and she's like, okay, we're going to do a little exercise. And I want for you to close your eyes and like breathe. And her name is Erin Trelore. And she runs a really cool Instagram called Raw Beauty Talks. And it's all about like coming back to your body. So she's like having me breathe. And she's like, I want for you to envision like the most vibrant version of yourself. Like you are happy and energized and alive. And and it didn't just stop at like the vision. She's like, you know, like put your fingers in your finger slots, like step into your feet. Like I want for you to be there and like feel what it feels to like be fully alive and to enjoy your life. And she said this line and it was like, like a dial on a stereo. I want for you to turn your intuition up and turn the noise of the world down. And I was like envisioning all of this. And in the vision, I saw this little girl and pancakes and a Persian rug. And I was wearing jeans and a white linen shirt. And I opened my eyes after the vision. I was like bawling. And I said to her, she goes, you know, what came up for you? And I was like, I think we have to move. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I love the house we're in, but there's this bedroom and it was always going to be our baby's bedroom. I get so emotional, but and I'm like, every time I walk by it, I just think about what hasn't happened. Yeah. And I was like, I just, this vision of like this long table and like this rug and this baby and like, I see it. And I was like, I think we've got to move. And 
that day because I'm a quick action taker. <laughs> you're like looking at houses. You're like literally you're finding an agent. Yes. I get on Zillow and I type in Duluth, Minnesota. Wow. And Drew and I had never talked about moving home. Like it was like a, maybe we'll move to Minneapolis someday. Like you know, kind of stay. Where in the were you city. living at this time? We were in a really small town in Wisconsin called Fort Atkinson, and we had great friends and stuff, but we didn't have the support of a family. And I found this house on Zillow mm-hmm. and I text my family text thread as a joke and say, maybe this will be the Kutcher Craftsman. Like it was this beautiful home in Minnesota. We had never talked about it. Drew is out on a run and his phone starts blowing up because my family's like, move home, oh my move God. home, He's like, what? Home. We never talked about this. Yeah, yeah. He gets home. He's like, what is going on in your family text thread? Like it's going crazy. And I was like, did you see the listing? And he's like, what listing? And I was like, I saw this house in Minnesota and... I thought he would be like, you know, maybe three years from now. And and he's like, oh, we can do that. And I was like, what? And, you know, it's crazy because I didn't necessarily move because of the vision, but it was like the first thing where I was like, you know, where we are is not working for me. The craziest part is this, Lewis. We didn't move for like seven, eight months. The day after we moved in, I took a positive pregnancy test. Wow. It was, it was literally, I like always say, I'm like, it's like I would like had to move home and like be grounded at home. Like it just felt Mm. like this like crazy moment where it was like, I'm home and I'm ready. And like, this is it. And that next day you moved in. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's crazy. When was this? Mm, April 1st of 2017. Oh my gosh. Or 2018. Yeah. So it was like. It's like right after the mastermind that, yeah, yeah, it was that next year. And it was like. And here's the thing that's so wild about my journey, because, you know, one in four women experiences pregnancy loss Mm. is that when you're in it, I mean, it is dark. I can imagine. And I often think about it's like if you were like walking through like a warehouse and it's just like pitch black and you're literally just like inching step by step, like you don't know where you're going. And it's like you just you have a flashlight so you can only see like directly in front of you. And once you get through it, it's like somebody turned the lights on and you see where you were and why you were there. And I hate the line, like everything happens for a reason, because when you are in it, there is zero like, reason, no reason why. Yeah, there's no reason why that happened. But our like three year waiting season, I can see now with hindsight, was required for me to build a life that supported what I was waiting for. Really? When I first was pregnant with my first pregnancy, I was shooting 25 weddings a year. I remember we were in Hawaii and I looked up the due date and I was like, I can't be due then. I have like four more weddings. I mean, I like have to cancel on these. Like I literally was like. It's like you were sabotaging your body. It was like I didn't know how I would do it. You know what I mean? Like Your body's like, we're not going to let you do it then. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And then. The second time around was a huge wake up call because I found out that I had lost the baby, but my body was still pregnant and Mm. I had to show up and shoot a wedding the next day. Oh, oh my gosh. And so I had to pretend like I was the happy, you know, the happy wedding photographer. And so when I look at those losses, they were massive teachers in my life. But by the time I was pregnant for the third time, I had built a life where I was able to move and I wasn't tied to anything and I had no clients to answer to and I had built that. And so there's this quote that I heard from a preacher and it's like sometimes 
the season of waiting is just as important as what it is that we're waiting for. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people find themselves in seasons of waiting and it's really easy to want to like twiddle your thumbs and just sit there, right? right. Like just wait and wait and wait. But I think we waste it. And it's like, I worked while I waited and I don't mean like I hustled. I worked towards the life I wanted for when the time came. Mm-hmm. And it was so evident when it happened. That's inspiring. It's a crazy story. And it's one that I don't tell often. And there's a line in my book that says like, okay, I I know this story is wild, but like you don't have to move zip codes to start living more into yourself. One of the things I realized after that vision was my vision was jeans and a white linen shirt. And I looked down and I was wearing sweatpants in like a college t-shirt. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I just start putting on the jeans. Maybe I don't have the baby and the pancakes and the Persian rug, but maybe I can just start dressing the way that I would dress if I was vibrant and alive and healthy. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just take a tiny step of becoming, I can't control the outcome Mm -hmm. of having a baby, but I can control showing up as a more vibrant version of myself right now. Absolutely. You said during the season, the dark season, that it's hard to think about this is all happening for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think we can think about during a dark season? If someone deals with anything dark in their life, mm-hmm. what should they, how should they be processing or thinking about it as opposed to, oh, well, maybe this is happening for a reason? Mm-hmm. I don't think that, yeah, I agree. I don't think that language is helpful when you're in it, right? Right. Because there are so many tragedies and things that shouldn't happen or that you shouldn't have to experience. There's this line in my book that talks about grief because we talk about it. And it says that a lot of times people want to move on from grief. You're waiting for life to feel normal again. You're waiting to feel like yourself. And I say grief isn't something that we're meant to move on from. It's something we're meant to move with. Mm -hmm. We're meant to pick it up and carry it with us, even if we're inching forward. Like we're getting stronger because of the things we've been through. You're not meant to come out on the other side of grief the same person you were when you went into it, right? Like, it, that, what a wasted right. opportunity for tragedy. Mm-hmm. And in my life, loss has probably been my greatest teacher, right? Like, I look at those, like, lost pregnancies, and I'm like, they were, like, somehow, like, looking out for me. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't hard or that I, I literally think about those babies every single day. But if I wasted that and, like, didn't use it, Mm -hmm. that would be a real loss. That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. And I think oftentimes it's like we sit in the loss and we waste that time when we need to just slowly start moving with it and carrying it with us as a changed person. Mm I don't know a single person who has been through anything tragic in their life. I mean, you lost your dad. Mm -hmm. Like, you are a different person than even a few months ago. Absolutely. And so I believe that we've got to, like, change the notion of, like, oh, you're going to be back to normal in a month or, like, this expectation. And it's like we've got to invite people to, like, evolve and move forward at their own pace. And I always liken grief, like, for me, and it might be different for you, but for me... I always think about like Lake Superior. We have a place on Lake Superior and there are some days where I can stand on the shore and watch like how mighty and powerful it is and just stand there in awe. 
And there are some days where it feels like grief makes me feel like I'm literally getting sucked under in the current and I can't even stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference between like the days where you can be like, yeah, that was hard. And I'm observing, you know, I can see the power of that and stuff. And there are days where you're like triggered or something and it's like you are sucked under. And we don't give ourselves enough space to like have those different types of days. And you don't know when they're going to land. Yeah. You know, there will be, like, I still think about, like, the due dates of my first pregnancies. Mm. Or I celebrate a kid's birthday, and I'm like, my kid should be that old. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if we don't give ourselves a grace of, like, some days I'm getting sucked in. (laughs) I need a life raft. And some days I'm, like, just standing there being like, wow, that was powerful. I mean, it's all a part of the process of grief, you know? I hear you. Stuff, it's, been, it. it's been coming a ways for me for the last two months, too. Yeah. I mean, since my dad passed, it's like some days I feel okay, and then other days it's like I hear a song and it triggers me, and I yes. just feel really sad or vulnerable or grieving. Yes. You know, it's a process, it's a journey. So. A lifelong process, I think. Oh, man, I'm really excited for this. Uh, your book, How Are You Really? I want people to go check it out at jennacutcher.com or follow you everywhere on social media at jennacutcher your podcast as well, the Gold Digger podcast. If you're thinking of entrepreneurship and business and branding and marketing, go listen to that. It's a powerful, powerful podcast. You got tons of courses and programs and things for people to help who are creators, entrepreneurs online as well. So they can get it all at jennacutcher.com. Is there anywhere specifically we should go for the book? Yeah, you can go to howareyoureallybook.com. Okay. And we've got a landing page and all the spots you can grab it. And you know, as someone who said I would never do this, <laughs> I've never worked harder on something in my life and I've never wanted it to be in the hands of more people. And mm. so I really am yeah. excited. Yeah, it was a lot. It can be a lot. I mean, no one does a book and just like kind of yeah. <laughs> haphazardly puts it out there. You yeah. know, it's like it's so much effort and energy and something we really care about, you know, when we Deeply. launch a book. It's interesting. It's probably why a lot of people are resistant of doing it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what's interesting is like as content creators and digital creators, the fact that you work on something for two years without revealing it. Crazy. 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 But you know what? It's been such a great lesson for Uh me of like sitting on something, waiting on it, revising Uh it, editing, 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 like where it's like, you know, done is better than perfect in a lot of ways. And it, in a lot of times, it's good to take that imperfect action. And when you do something like this, you're really taught patience in the process. And it's been a really good teacher for me. And you could also get caught up in never being done. Yeah. So, so someone said to me the other day. You also need a deadline. Yeah. Too. They're it's like, like... <laughs> there's a reason why it's called a book release. Uh huh. And it's like you're releasing it out into the world because you could literally nitpick. go for years. For years. You, you I think a lot years, of people do that. And they never put it out. That's right. I mean, there's so many things I could change in my previous books yeah. still today. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I could have added this or taken this out. Could but, always do that. You always could do it. Yeah. So it's it's a yes and. It's like, okay, how can I give it the patience, the time, the energy, the revisions, and also... Release it. <laughs> release it. Like, there's going to be something <laughs> that could be changed. I'm mean, very excited with you. How are you really book.com. Make sure you guys go check it out. Get a few copies for your friends. All the bonuses and all that stuff. JennaKutcher.com. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone at the end called the three truths. So okay. imagine it's your last day on earth many years away from now. You live as long as you want to live. You get to do all the things you want to do. Yeah. For whatever reason, everything you've created has to go to another place. 
the book, podcasts, social media, content, everything's gone. No one has access to your information anymore. Okay. But you get to leave behind three lessons with the world that you've learned, three mm-hmm. truths. Yep. What would be those truths for you? Time is your currency. Everything is temporary. And you'll never regret the time you spend with the people you love. Mm, yeah. Amen to that. I want to acknowledge you, Jenna. It's been a beautiful journey <laughs> since I've known you. 2017, since yeah. I first met you. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Five years, almost six years now. And the way you show up for yourself, the way you show up for your family, for your kids, for your dreams, for your health, everything. You make decisions that aren't popular sometimes. You do things that are against the norm, but you do them your way. And you do them in a way that works for you, that makes you feel peace Mm -hmm. and healthy and loved. And so I think that's really beautiful that you're giving and creating and serving people and reminding yourself to make sure you serve yourself in that process mm-hmm. and not lose yourself in that process. So I really acknowledge you. Thank Very you. proud of you. Thank Very you. Very grateful for you and your friendship mm-hmm. and everything. Thank you for having me on this show. And, and you know, it's it really is a full circle moment of like, Drew and I often talk about how being a part of your mastermind changed my life mm. in so many ways. And so thank you for being that leader, but thank you for being my friend too. Of course, yeah. I'm happy. I'm always wanting to facilitate, you know, facilitate experiences for people. My final question is what's your definition of greatness? Doing what you love, being with the people you love, but doing it in a way that feels good and doesn't just look good. Jenna Kutcher. Appreciate you. Thank you. You're the best. There's a difference in going from just talking about success in other people's lives or even in our own someday scenarios to really defining what success and happiness and peace looks like for us as individuals. This is the distinction that Lewis and I are drawing together here that success shouldn't just look a certain way. It should feel a way. And that way is going to look different for each of us. I am so glad that I got to share this conversation with you and I hope you enjoyed tuning into more of Lewis's amazing conversations that he creates space for on his podcast, The School of Greatness. Don't miss your chance to pick up what he's dropping over there. Lean in and listen on your favorite podcast app and let your takeaways encourage you to boldly redefine the kind of life that you are creating even now. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on pursuing greatness and keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Let's face it, life and business can be stressful. And it's not just your mind that suffers when you're feeling tense or anxious. Stress can also affect your digestion and your immune system too. So what do we do about it? Introducing Just Calm, the breakthrough new stress-soothing formula from Just Thrive. Say hello to a steady, serene, more relaxed you. Just Calm's proprietary mood-lifting blend is clinically proven to help you relax and breathe a little easier in as little as four weeks. 
And for Next Level Mood TLC, there's Just Thrive Probiotic. This is the probiotic my whole family swears by. This spore probiotic banishes bloat and constipation so your gut can produce more serotonin, which is your happy hormone. Plus, it supports better sleep so you can wake up feeling refreshed and revitalized. With Just Calm and Just Thrive Probiotic, you'll have the ultimate stress-fighting duo to help you win the day every day. To learn more about Just Thrive, tune into episode 734 with their founder, Tina Anderson. I loved chatting with her about the gut-brain connection. And if you're ready to take control and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive probiotic today. Visit justthrivehealth.com and use a promo code GOLDDIGGER. Take control today with Just Thrive. That's justthrivehealth.com, promo code GOLDDIGGER.